The world as we know it has fundamentally changed. What was once considered the future of work is here now. We are operating in an all-digital, work-from-anywhere world. More and more consumers are supporting brands that align with their personal values. It's the values-driven firms that will rebound sooner and grow faster in this new world. Salesforce has partnered with Singapore Community Radio to bring you this podcast. We want to explore the opportunities and the challenges of this new world. We want to talk about the ways in which we will work going forward, how businesses can be a platform for change, and how technology will continue to impact the world. We have some amazing thought leaders, executives, and community advocates joining us, and we hope it sparks some inspiration and innovation for you. To learn more about us, you can head to our blog at salesforce.com slash ap slash blog. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Future of Work Now podcast by Salesforce. And with me today, I have Anthea Ong, who is the founder of Harsh Tea Bar. And Anthea, you know, we've been hustling and bustling through COVID-19 in this past year. And I'm sure many of us are, you know, just a little bit tired. And in spite of being thankful that we are able to sit down here today and have a conversation yeah. uh, and being able to work from anywhere we find sometimes the need to take a break mm. and you know i think there's no one better who can tell us on, <laughs> about how we should be taking a break and you know you you can tell us how to take a break with silence which is absolutely interesting thank so you. thank you so much for sparing time with us today um, thank you for having me tell us a little bit more about harsh T-Bar, I mean, it's a brilliant concept, Thank but you. tell us about what you guys do and what you do as right. well. Okay, <laughs> what I do. <laughs> I don't do as much as I did, I think, when I first uh, founded it. <laughs> <laughs> so Hush started actually now six years ago, but mm. really started as a ground-up social experiment. Right. Um, we felt at that time how there was such a lot of anxiety and stress, yeah. um, especially obviously at the workplaces. Yep. And at the same time, we found that there was a real challenge in folks like the deaf, people who are hard of hearing, mm -hmm. um, and people who live with mental health conditions, finding not just any job, but empowering jobs, right? Yep. Um, that are sustainable. So so bring all of that, you know, a bit of that triangulation of, um, you know, all the different factors. Um, Hajj was born, but actually the truth is if you go a bit further back, okay. it really started because of my own um, personal collapse, right? Because about 14 years ago, I had a, a major, major um, incident, you know, of everything that you can think of, you know, going wrong, went mm. wrong with me. I was nursing a broken heart, a broken marriage mm. uh, that unfortunately led to a broken business as a collateral damage. Um, that actually left me with only $16. And so I think um, that was a deep dark hole, obviously, um, that I was in. And and actually what saved me was silence, was the practice of silence um, in the form of meditation, in the form of journaling, in the form of walking in a park, right? Uh, so it was silence also um, that was the connection with myself. 
And because I actually literally got saved, um, you know, by silence, uh, I was very called to bring this to the workplace. Right. Um, where, I mean, obviously I came from the workplace. Yeah. So I came from 30 years of being in the corporate sector. And so so there was, there was this really strong um, calling to bring um, silence into the workplace as a way of um, supporting better mental well-being, yep. um, bring a bit more connection with itself, but also actually, mm. I call, to bring um, a deeper sense of empathy. Okay. Right for those who are different to us, we, we, it's lovely to see how you've picked yourself up from you know that dark hole that you you spoke about, yeah. and putting it into practice for other people as well, and affecting you know the community at large and the corporate life. It's like as like you said, you no, know, it's a very very stressful environment, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So totally. Uh, but it's interesting the concept of silence, as you said. You know, mm. why is that so important, though? I think in yeah. a lot of cases we are often told to <laughs> communicate, to speak to each other, to listen, and the importance of listening. And you know, silence does not come into play at all yeah. uh, when when we speak about all of that. But yeah. how is it important uh, for mental well-being? Yeah, uh, be it great question. You know, as an individual, or even how it then affects the workplace. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So. Um, so there are two parts to it, and you're absolutely right, right? In terms of um, this whole concept of uh, connection, communication, um, it's, it's very much about um, words, uh, yeah. you know, and spoken words. But, you know, I would, I would challenge that it doesn't mean that when we are speaking and communicating, we're actually necessarily connecting, mm -hmm. right? Um, sometimes, very often, um, I remember someone saying this, if you can't understand my, my silence, you'll never understand my words. Wow. Uh, and I think that's so powerful because it's, we hide behind words, Heiko. I yeah. think we sometimes say things because of certain social expectations and norms. And I think when we're silent, it's when we come back to a, a, a much more truer, uh, place of who we are, yep. right? And, and so that self-connection truly can only come if we have a moment of pause. Yep. Um, and and that's why also when you talk about music, the best kind of music is not where, you know, you have every bit there's a sound. You know, you got to intersperse it with um, some pauses and some breaks, right? Mm -hmm. So same thing with the human connection. Um, so at the individual level, I think that, connection with the self can only come about if we have silent pauses. Yeah. Um, if we don't, we are literally living a very automatic life. We're just, gonna, we're just like going along with the sounds, the chatter yeah. um, and the noise. At the workplace, which is a great question, I think at the workplace, how it helps um, the workplace, how silence helps the workplace comes from, again, having every employee uh, feel that they are not being caught up blindly, right? Yeah. Following orders here, stress here, deadlines here and all of that. And never having that moment of planning, yeah. of um, of processing, uh, and of reflecting. And and I think reflecting in the workplace is very important because sure. um, there, there would not be feedback, there would not be improvement, there mm. would not be therefore um, engagement, yeah. right? Uh, and so for a workplace, that's really important because Definitely. employee engagement um, is a very high determinant for both performance, yeah. but also mental well-being. Yeah, it is something that I think a lot of companies have put 
into their work streams and their planning, um, especially with uh, through the pandemic, right? And yes. moving forward. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, we we talked about about stress. I can't think of a period that <laughs> has been more stressful on the world than you know than than the pandemic of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Yeah. So, but there's a dilemma then about mm. on whether we should press on, whether you know, the workforce should press on and just work through you know COVID <laughs> and just you know to show our bosses that oh you know what it's tough but I can make it, mm. I can do this, mm. and and this is how I'm of value. How detrimental can that be, and how can silence probably help? Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, this has been a bittersweet year in the sense that uh, we've never had it this bad with yeah. mental health, right? Um, in fact, some of the recent studies have shown in Singapore, one in seven Singaporeans experience a mental health condition, right, uh, in their lifetime. And I would, I would challenge that that's probably um, a very conservative number, um, because that was actually only on certain um, conditions. Um, I think we're moving more to what's the one in four, right? But at the workplace, the latest study has shown <laughs> one in two people wow. working in Singapore since COVID-19. So this is a very recent one. It's April or May kind of a study. Um, one in two people 50%. working in Singapore. Yes, yeah, so it's every other person has actually reported a decline, at first decline in mental health. Um, and that, that comes from three parts of it, right? Um, working from home. I mean, never mind, obviously, the stressor of contracting COVID-19, yep. the, you know, the isolation, the massive disruption to our lives as we know it, right? Mm. But at work, we are now working from home, yep. right? There is a deep sense of isolation and, and social withdrawal because none of us here can deny that actually a big part of going to work, there is a social system there. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, and, and it sometimes is the most unstructured, informal connections at the water dispenser, the ones who are smoking, smoking corner, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. All, all that is really important in, yeah. in helping you with your mental well-being. Now we don't have all of that. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is very scary. Strangely, we have gone into this back-to-back -back Zoom <laughs> yep, meetings. Yep, yep, yep. You know, that that has never happened in the past because we would, even if we had meetings in the, in the office, Heiko, we'll still have to walk, right, in between meetings. Yeah. Now we don't even have to walk <laughs> and do anything. It's literally there. It's, it's just like, clicking on the green button. Yeah, <laughs> so now even more than before, that pause, that silence. And I'm not talking about, you know, very serious kind of meditation. You must go and find two hours to sit <laughs> cross-legged in one corner, you know, burn your candles. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about even taking like three deep breaths, mm. right? Having that pause between your Zoom meetings, um, making sure that you take time out, right? Um, to clearly demarcate between work and um, and home life, yeah. right? Even though now you don't have the physical segregation. Sure. That's why COVID-19 is bittersweet because I have not seen um, higher numbers of people with mental health challenges and illness. Um, but the sweet part of it is that people are now becoming, first of all, more aware yep. of mental health challenges and talking more about it. Uh, but secondly, 
more people are out in the parks, more people are exercising, yeah. um, more people are finding new ways to connect, um, even with themselves. And that's where silence really comes in in a big way. I, I think that's why we at Hush have strangely, you know, um, experienced a boost. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we have, which is awesome. No, I almost almost thought we we're going to have to close down because <laughs> we, we did everything in person. Ah, so we bring okay, the entire okay. team of deaf and people with mental health conditions, plus the teas and the cups and all of that <laughs> to the workplaces because we are a mobile tea bar, right? We yep. don't actually have a fixed place. Um, so when COVID hit, all the um, clients cancel our projects. Okay. And I really thought we we're going to only survive for, for three months because that's what the results could sustain us. The team was amazing when I challenged them to think about, is there any way we can bring the experience online? online. Because it's all in silent and it's all uh, facilitated by the deaf. Mm. So the deaf um, is very much a group of people where their in-person connection is very important, Michael, because their language is very embodied language. Yeah. If you're a theatre actor or, you know, um, yeah, an or artist, you would know that it's a very visceral, bodily kind of thing. So they were quite resistant, but we did. And now... <gasps> brilliant, yeah. I think you guys are doing a brilliant job in taking you. that online um, and involving the deaf community yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. absolutely brilliant. I think yeah. we've got a lot to learn. The ones who are hearing have lots to learn in terms of communication and yes. appreciating silence from the uh, deaf, right? You're so spot on. I'm so glad you <laughs> said that. Um, in fact, when I first learned how to sign, right, uh, and and while well, the listeners won't see this, so one of the signs of anxiety is this, right? So I was just doing this, lah, and then smiling okay. away, which I usually do. And I was told off. I said, no, you are actually signing anxiety. You've got to bring your entire body as the language um, medium, as the channel. So I, I cannot do this. I must do, you know, and, 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 and I think this is where in some ways it's very therapeutic because when you are actually um, communicating, right? Yep. Even though it's in silence, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. right? You are truly connecting. That's the because most important your thing. entire body, your entire being is actually speaking of communicating how you feel. Yeah. And also if you're communicating with a deaf person, um, you cannot look away and then start looking at your screen on the yeah, phone. Yeah. Right? Because you are actually signing. So I've learned so much about being completely present, right? In, in the way we connect and communicate from the deaf. Um, which is why I think we need to honour their wish to be known as a language um minority yeah right instead of a disability group yeah yeah because they are actually fully functional yes, um it's obviously. just that they have a different way of communicating yeah. uh and in some ways which is why when i first called them hearing impact i was also told off oh. they told me that if you call us hearing impact and they we're going to call you deaf impact because we don't because, think we're impaired. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's and not. No, it's not an impairment, right? It's not. It's not right. Uh, and I think um, so. They, they, so they see themselves as a cultural minority, if okay. you know what I mean. Because it's a it's a different culture they have. So it's been absolutely fascinating for them to come forward, share all of this, and therefore in the process of um, bringing this to the workplace, 
not only do we bring silence to the workplace, because I tell you, we people are very good. Lah. <laughs> even hearing folks when you have the deaf person next to you, even you are very chatty, yeah. you will stop. Ah, you will stop. Really? So you will, whether you like it or not, you will experience silence, you will, you will pause. And then on top of that, they get to hear and learn from the deaf about, you know, a whole different way of being. And that, I think, builds empathy and um, perspective taking. Empathy is something that I think everyone needs to just do a little bit more in yeah, our community, oh, right? Yeah, and trying so to identify with some with with other people as much as we can. You spoken about how the deaf see themselves as a different language, a yeah. different minority, yeah. and that's absolutely right. If we are able to see any kind of except mm. any other spoken language as a different way of communicating. Surely we can appreciate how the deaf are communicating. Exactly, as well. exactly. In fact, I think, you know how I mean. I'm Chinese, but I have Malay blood. Um, but but you know, through it all, I've learned bits of uh, Malay. Mm -hmm. I've learned bits of, you know, very little bit of Tamil. But certainly a lot of different dialects, right, yep. in the Chinese language system. So why is it that we can't do the same, right? Learning a few signs, and and actually seeing them as just another. Um, language group amongst yeah. us, you know, uh, or cultural group. Yeah. Right? Okay. In terms of bringing all of that to the workplace, yeah. you know, it might be something, it might be intimidating to adopt all of these right, in a workplace. Right, right, okay. Um, I would see perhaps, you know, certain leaders say that, oh, I don't know if this is something that we should be doing and how effective it's going to be. It's slightly different to, to, yeah. to the usual stuff they're oh, doing. Oh, yes, completely. Yeah. I think internal communications is how you know it's become even more important in terms of engaging with your employees yeah. as how important that's that's come up to be. Some companies perhaps are taking the more conservative approach and mm. saying that, oh, we just need to call them up a little bit more on Zoom <laughs> and, 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 and then speak to them a little bit more and, and find out about them. Yeah. That's all great. No, but, it is. It is, it is yeah, but, I'm not dissing it. Yeah, yeah, but, it's but a start. It, but it, how do you think that um, you and your team are able to incorporate all of this in a workplace such as that it's some, it becomes something natural, almost second nature mm, to them? Mm, that's a great question. And I think... Um, I think maybe uh, let me provide a little bit of context to what the harsh experience is like. Sure, right? So, do. Yeah, so very quickly, the harsh experience, even though now it's also a digital experience, uh, there are four zones to it. And the zones are not physical zones, like they are okay. experience zones. So the first one is what we call intention. Um, and, and this zone is where you are being guided um, into a space of silence uh, gradually, okay. right? Um, so not immediately saying, hey, Heckle, just you know, take a cup of tea and just shut up. Because <laughs> right? that's, that's, very, that's very abrupt yeah. and very abrasive. So what we will do is to have our deaf partners and facilitators work with this hearing folks from the company, right? Um, to learn uh, signs of emotions, mm -hmm. right? So they start to learn signs uh, of emotions as a way of sort of interacting with the deaf. But in doing so, we are actually unwittingly, um, well, actually it's by design, uh, but they think it's unwittingly, <laughs> um, allowing them to sort of get into a softer place. Okay. Right, of thinking about emotions, which obviously, as you know, in most workplaces, emotions have no place. Yeah. But actually, that's so unreal if you think about it because we are humans. Yeah. How can we have no 
emotions, right? So that that already in that first zone helped them to ease into it, so that by the time they get to the second zone, which is hush, okay, um, that's completely silent. Um, they are already very comfortable. And in some uh, ways, they already know how to say thank you when the dev is actually guiding them um, to do certain things. So in Hajj is where they get to go through a um, a breathing, um, and and some people will call it mindfulness um, okay. session, right? So you drink your tea um, in a in a slow, deliberate, intentional way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you actually uh, synchronize that with your breathing. Okay. Right. So the whole idea there is obviously to calm you down. Mm-hmm. You clearly start to, um, you know, you, st- you start to sort of come into more of an awareness to where you are. Okay. Right. And that helps you de-stress, ma, because you yeah. are no longer thinking about your work. The, um, the third zone is still silent, but they start to come up from the more. Um, the more still seg- uh, segment of it, which is the second zone, to something that they are actually going to be engaging. And we bring in um, art. Okay. Right? Because uh-huh. it's important. Um, we don't want them to think with their head. We want them to think with their heart. Okay. And so what we do um, is we use, typically in person, we will use tea ink. So uh, ink made uh, of tea. Uh-huh. Get them to dip their fingers into the, the ink uh, and then start to do tea art. Wow. Right. So the idea there is very tactile. Um, and, and all of us love it. Like we don't talk about it, but we love messing with <laughs> things and seeing all this, right? So it's it's another way for them to in silence, but not completely still, um, to calm down, to slow down, yeah. um, to connect. Um in the digital space, because we are not there with them, uh, we will get them to draw uh, first with their dominant hand and then with a non-dominant hand. Okay, interesting. And drawing with a non-dominant hand uh, creates a lot of different uh, feelings and emotions for mm-hmm. them. Uh, and you obviously have to be very focused, lah, right? Because uh, you are doing um, a non-dominant hand. The last zone is the zone that's actually the most powerful. And you'll be surprised. It's the zone that you, ca- you can start talking. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. But it's always the most powerful, Heikel, because that within the workplace is when the colleague starts to share with each other their experience um, through the last three zones. And in doing so, they start sharing very, um, very human emotions. Because in the harsh zone, we get them to think about themes like gratitude and resilience, um, courage mm-hmm. right um, and so when they are sharing in the fourth zone which is just called the sharing zone um, you start sharing with each other as humans and not as colleagues and so I will really? see you as Heikel used to be who I go to to get my leave approved <laughs> but now I realise oh Heikel actually had such an amazing experience during his childhood and you know and he was sharing with it you know what I mean like and so you change so much of the team culture I think that's so important because culture as with lots of organizations struggle with, especially through COVID, is trying to maintain one or mm. to now create a different one yes. or to adjust you know, certain cultures. Yeah. Because people are so displaced, right? I mean, their workforce very, is di- di- are, are displaced. And, dis- and disrupted, um, and, yeah. yeah. it's just something that we, we, we can't see. And it's interesting to see how you are evoking emotions with all of these different exercises, with the different zones. Um, and I was just going to say as well, you know, I find it difficult being at home mm. when we are, you know, just by ourselves. And 
not quite having that outlet to yeah. just share. You know, there might be a colleague where you can just pull aside and like, oh no, yeah. that that guy's just not being great with me today. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah, and, and exactly. you can you can do you can do all of those things. But being alone is tough. Even right now when we are commuting to wherever we are commuting mm. commuting, I just think that the the human connection because everyone's wearing masks. Can you imagine oh, if I yeah. <laughs> I Previously, by commuting in the MRT or in the buses, you always see whether someone's angry, someone's happy, yes, and that yes, affects you, yes, and and that, that sets that, that sets your day. And I just think that you are able to bring all these emotions to the workplace, mm-hmm. and being able to you know set your day the way that you hope to be, right? Mm, and that's yeah. something that you, we have, we've been missing. We have, we have. And, and, and that's such a great point that you, you said, right? About this masking culture that we yeah. have. Um, we no longer see each other's um, emotions yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and where we are, right? Because so much of how we express ourselves have always been through our facial expressions. Yeah. And it's uh, interesting because that's being done in silence. Because, you know, when I look at strangers, I don't talk to them. I'm absorbing these. But you kind of can connect with the same, right? Exactly. exactly. And this is why the deaf um, are so good in it. I call them our communication experts, if you ask me. Really, (laughs) because I think we can speak, right? We can speak and we know words. But I, I sometimes think that, you know, we have lost perhaps a, a huge part of um, knowing truly how to communicate with each other. And I think, um, sadly, that has come from us having a lot of these um, this tools and, and, and resources that have come in between us, right? Uh, whether it's the phone, whether it's... Yeah. Um, whether it's I mean, I, and I don't want to blame it just on technology devices, but, um, but our life, you know, the way, the pace of life, um, the you know the the social narrative about yeah. just you know it's more important to achieve um, <laughs> you know and do it as quickly as you can fast and furiously um, all of those actually um, have really taken us away from truly connecting yeah. um, and I think it's good and bad I think you know now that we're masking. I do find that people are making more of an effort because you're not always hearing so well. Yeah. Um, you are not able to see that person as well. So, so I do find that uh, more people are trying to make a more intentional, deliberate effort to be truly here when you know we are talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. in the past. I mean, you know, in the past when you can hear and the words are clear and you can see the person, you kind of take a lot of it for granted. Oh, so. Yeah. So you're there in the sense that you can hear the words, but I, I, I would challenge whether we are there in presence. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I can totally resonate with that. I just came back from a short staycation with a family. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, we, we were in a restaurant and this lady who was serving us was so brilliant. Um, she was wearing a mask, yeah. um, but I can tell from the tone of her voice and she was... I, I know this may sound weird, but she was smiling with her eyes constantly at mm. us. Uh, so we were able yeah. to notice that and we felt, uh, in spite of the fact that we can't see her face, we felt really well treated by her, being well served by but her. But I think that's interesting, Heiko, that you said that. I reckon that if it was a, it was another normal day, you know, where we are not wearing masks, yeah. um, you may not pay as much exactly. attention to her. Exactly. Like, so the part of COVID, which is really, like I said, this little tiny virus, um, I sometimes call it the God particle, um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's kind of 
come to make us really kind of suffer, you know. But at the same time, it sort of illuminated so many things yeah. for us, right? It suddenly um, allowed us, like the example you just quoted and cited, for you to actually use a different part of you to connect with this yeah. lady. Yeah. Right, because you're no longer using your um, typical sense of sort of filters yeah. and and all of that. Right now, you are actually more present, and 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 you're definitely not doing it through just your your sight. Yeah. Um, but it's more of you know the the, the whole of you actually. Yeah. Sort of yeah. sensing you know things around you and and with people. Absolutely, I think it's brilliant that we are making a conscious effort. Or hopefully, more and more people yeah. are going to be doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. But just taking the conversation back sure. to the workplace, mm, mm. You, with us probably being still quite displaced mm. through 2021, do you see it being imperative for us to be more conscious of our emotions, taking breaks when we need to, uh, being more wary of the spaces around us, mm. um, and just hopefully be more efficient in our work. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally think we have to. Um, you know, this this study I, I shared with you earlier, one in two, right, yeah. um, in, in Singapore, working in Singapore. So this is a workplace study, right? Okay. So it's not even the general population. Um, was actually at the, at the onset of circuit breaker, Michael. Mm. So if you think about it, um, that, you know, that was very intense in a short period of time, sure. But if you think about it, mental health has a long tail, yeah. right? Um, many people are fatigued with this, um, you know, with this new way of being, right? Um, the, the, the work from home, um, some may find it a bit more normalized, but, you know, by and large, the numbers that we're seeing, uh, a lot are still, are actually getting um, deeper into the fatigue. Mm -hmm. Right, the the pandemic we call it the pandemic uh, or the crisis fatigue, you know, and that has a very direct impact on our mental health. Um, so I would clearly, um, you know, want to put it out there that we must not think that you know uh, we can now go out and have meals with our friends and things seems to be back to normal. Actually, they're not. Yeah. Right. Um, we are working harder and longer hours than we ever have. Exactly. Right. And, and even before COVID, we were already in Singapore. Right. The unhappiest workforce in the world. Yeah. We we work the most. We work the hardest. We work the right. Most We've hours, seen many, we sleep many reports. The least. Yeah. Right. So, so we were already not having very good uh, vital statistics, lot. Right. As <laughs> if you think about us as kind of uh, you know a nation, and so we are definitely working more. Um, we are not seeing that the Zoom meetings are going away. Yeah. And in fact, now they're added on to the resumed face-to-face -face meetings. So it's like, you know... Um, You've got both. You've got both <laughs> and still it's added load, yeah. right? So to your question, I think it's really, really very important that we now bring mental health awareness in no uncertain terms. Right? Don't even skirt around the issues. Don't even mince your words. Just create. In fact, this morning I was hosting um, our third um, CEO um, and leaders dialogue. Um, our meaning work well leaders work group, which is another group that I formed um, of CEOs and leaders um, across Singapore. And the idea there is to, to actually create deliberate spaces 
to talk about mental health, to to have spaces and sessions and conversations where employees feel safe mm-hmm. to be able to share with their team managers and supervisors and leaders how they are actually feeling, right, when they are challenged. Um, because now that people are actually dispersed, you know, you don't even have your colleagues watching out for you yeah. in case you are actually going into you know, a bit of a crisis mode or yeah. a distress mode. Uh, and and we know that um, we also have a responsibility as leaders that now our employees are at home and if we do not support our employees appropriately in their mental well-being cycle, it actually completely affects their family too. Yeah. Right? Because so it's, it's so, more it, yeah, more because in the people. past you still can say, okay, it's bad, but after 10 hours, I'm going to sort of decompress before I go back to my family. Yeah. Now you can't. If, if there is a situation at work, you know, within the 10 minutes, you might take it out on your child yeah. or you might, you know, lash it out on your spouse, right? Or your parents. And I think, um, there is, there is a lot of work that we need to do in that regard. So workplace is very important because it occupies a very, um, integral part of our lives, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it occupies a lot of our waking hours. Definitely. So, so I think um, employers and leaders have a real um, responsibility to make sure that we actually do not try to skirt around mental health in the workplace, right? Provide the resources, the support structures, um, the spaces to talk about it. Um, and, and and like you said, check in, yeah. but also bring bring to um, the employees more of such, um, um, what's the word, um, capabilities, right? Whether it's um, understanding how to practice silence, yeah. for example, um, how, to, how to structure your day, you know, so that you have um, you have those breaks and stuff like that. So those are the new skills that I think we need to equip our our folks in the workplace. I think with the previous episodes that we've recorded, it's yeah. always about having the trust um, that so we true. need to just you know convey to our employees to show them that we trust them to do the work that they do, yes. and the breaks do not mean that they're slacking off um, and they are just looking after themselves to make them even more efficient and more productive for the companies that they're working for and to normalize the conversations, right? The normalizing it is so important. Uh, But on top of that, I do think, um, and having been a corporate leader for 30 years in the sector, right? In the corporate sector, I think, you know, leadership is not an entitlement. It's actually a privilege. Yep. And with that privilege, a bit like Spider-Man, it comes to responsibility, <laughs> right? And that responsibility means that we must, on the one hand, role model mentally healthy behaviours, like you said, right? To actually role model, oh, it's okay, I take breaks. Um, this is what I do to um, self-care, mm-hmm. right? Um, to look after myself. So you role model that. But the other part of it is the most important, and that is to even come forward to share your mental health struggles, yeah, right? Um, because I think in doing so, yes, you obviously can provide resources and support structures uh, through your HR program, training programs and all of that. But when as a leader, you actually also step forward to share that, wow, you know, I actually almost had a bit of a meltdown and what that was like. 
I think that's so powerful to open up that space of trust that you talked about. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That trust that, you know, that comes from the vulnerability that the leaders are willing, which takes a lot of courage. Yep. And again, you're role modeling. So you, you don't just role model healthy behavior. Lah. You also must role model when you are actually going through challenges because yeah. unless you are a cyborg, Right, there's no way you cannot not have emotional and, and mental health challenges, and so if as leaders we can role model that courage to um, come forward with our vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. we open up this space that is um, that is of psychological safety. Yeah. For the employees to also say, "Hey, boss, you know, um, you know, I, I'm really struggling, and and tonight I might just have to take some time." I'll come back tomorrow. But tonight, I'm really feeling like I'm about to sort of break down or sure. I'm not. But the leaders have to have to kind of role model that. Yeah. You know, yeah. because because if not, then then employees going to always be concerned about would that affect, you know, my assessment, my career yeah. advancement. Um, so opening that space really have to come from leaders. I think in the larger scheme of things, Haikal, if we want to address this mental health um, challenge that we have as a, as a society, in fact, it's a really big global health challenge. Yep. We need to also, you know, make sure we stop this narrative that having mental health challenges means you're weak. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely not. Well, I just shared about, you know, my own experience. I mean, to that point, 14 years ago, and I don't mind sharing, other than being in the deep dark hole where, you know, I was clearly very depressed, I was going on a downward spiral. At one time, I was so awash with shame and despair because I was so broken that, uh, and financially, I was so broke that I was left with $16. And having been CEOs of MNCs and all that, I was so awash with shame and despair. One moment I contemplated the distance between my 18th floor windows and the ground, right? So I think, um, and I'm not saying that that's what everyone would go through, but I'm just saying uh, it doesn't mean that because it happens to me, then, you know, um, it's not. I'm just saying that everyone's journey is so different. So different and so unique. Yeah, it's so unique. I I came out of it, even though at that point I didn't think it was possible, but I came out of it because of uh, the support structures and the inner resources that I had. And I, I still have. Cool. Right, despite the um, tape recorder going, I've lost this, I don't have this anymore <laughs> and all of that. Um, I think everyone deserves that, the support structures, but not everyone has that. And so if we are able to provide that support structure as leaders, it will be hugely valuable to yes. the businesses that we run, the companies that we work for, and the productivity and the efficiency of yes. our team members. Yes. And it's just about being human, as you said. You know, it's, it it's, is. It's, 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 it's the core that. of it all, right? It's yeah, just about it's being just human. that. I think we just forget that mental health, there's no mental health without, um, there's no health without mental health. So that's the first assertion that we so easily forget because of the taboo and the stigma. Yeah. Um, how can we say we're healthy if we're not mentally healthy as well, <laughs> right? Um, but there's such a disparity between physical health and, and mental, mental health. health. The other thing which I shared earlier is we, we forget that mental health is a continuum. Yeah. You know, as I said, unless you're a cyborg, unless, you know, you don't feel, all of us have had some, some sort of, of loss, some sort of major life transition. Um, sometime where we felt like we have been marginalized. Yeah. If you go through all of that, you never felt, you know, uh, an inch of being mentally challenged, then wow. 
your robot. <laughs> you are a robot. Welcome to the you know to the world of robotics. Um, so I think I think just recognizing that and 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 you know like you said earlier, um, you know normalizing it right. Um, Flagging it to the surface, don't sweep it under the floor or the carpet. Um, talk about it so that we actually break the silence and we we remove that stigma and the taboo. And I think that's going to really be helpful because, as with any condition, the earlier we seek help, yeah. the less we're going to go to the slightly more challenging side sure. of the continuum, which is clinical. Mm-hmm. Right, which it becomes a disorder, it becomes a illness. My own experience was I sought help. I sought um, help at a psychiatrist, um, and he didn't deem me to be clinical in the sense that he said, "Well, you have gone through such a lot in life. Obviously, you're gonna be in this place." Yeah. Um, but then he gave me some tips to how to cope, how to work out of it, and of course, like I said, the support system around was just um, incredibly uh, valuable. Um, so the earlier we seek help. Um, the more healthy we are mentally, um, and and therefore you know we don't have to go to a part where, yeah, where we have to deal with a, a very different set of challenges when it becomes a clinical condition. But even then, it doesn't mean that we don't have a clear recovery process, you know. Um, but you know, if it's taboo, if it's stigma, Michael, people won't come and seek help, lah. We gotta break the silence. We have to, and we probably will be able to. Treat it and help it out with silence as well. That's a great right? one. So you use silence, and actually, a few people—not a few, actually—quite a number of folks during the sharing zone have actually shared openly in that space with their colleagues about their mental health challenges. So I love how you put it. Maybe we should think about it. The tagline, because <laughs>、um, our tagline for a while was "rush to harsh," right? That's pretty good.、Um, as that's well. pretty good. But I like that. I like I like how we're using silence to break the silence,、yeah. right? And the silence we use silence to connect,、um, to create space of trust, right, and support. Yeah. And then in doing so, we're using silence to break silence. Thank you so much, Anthea. It's about being human, about breaking the silence. It's about you know. Helping it all with silence,、uh, and that's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for sharing all that you shared. I wish you, you and Hash Tiba the very best,、Thank、and you, you know、so、we should catch up again soon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for giving us a chance here to talk about the Hash experience, and and、um, and, and and I'm so happy always that we're talking about mental well-being as well. So am I. Thank、yes. you, Anthea. Thanks, Hi.